0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. So much that we've seen in the life of Jesus that we can glean off and learn from his teaching that would help us to navigate these seasons of life, particularly if the stats about the past 18 months are true for Australians, and I'm pretty sure you would tend to agree that they are, that there has been, uh, I guess, an immense Amount of pressure on people's mental health and people's pace of life, and so we're um, hearing stories of people's, um, you know, emotional burnout, relational burnout, mental burnout, and all the different areas that happen there. So we figured we need to take a few weeks out to talk about it, and uh, I figured to finish this series. Uh, Rather than just hearing uh, me talk about it, I wanted to hear from some people from, I guess, their experiences, um, both professional and personal, which is why today we have with us a panel. So I'd love to introduce them to you and to let them know in what capacity they're here sharing today. Uh, And they should be faces either you're familiar with or unfamiliar with. I realize they're your only two options, so take your pick. Okay, right next to me is the lovely Bernadette Owens. Can we welcome her this morning? Bernadette and her husband, Keith, are elders in the life of our church. You would have seen Keith's story last week. He shared his burnout story, and really appreciate uh, sharing that, Keith. And today we're going to be hearing Bernadette's side of it, what it means to be someone who has cared for someone going through burnout, which I think will be super helpful. Um, huge blessing to Chloe and I and our allies. Uh, has an amazing professional background. So thank you for joining us. Uh, here's a face that is not unfamiliar to our platform, Dr. Chris Muller. Make him Welcome. I was gonna say our resident GP, but actually, that you're not our resident GP, so no one can go up to him after. They go, "I've got like a purple rash under my arm or something," like, which I do most weeks. To, uh, I don't have a rash. I, ask you. I'm just going to move on. Um. And it's super great to have you here and obviously in this capacity as a medical professional um, helping to bring some clarity and some help for us in that regard Uh, and we'll be doing bulk billing today as well, so (laughs) is that right? Uh, And last and not least, uh, his team lost the grand final last week in AFL, so I'm just wanting to say, I'm anyway, Dave Adamson ladies and gentlemen is with us, very excited, everyone's like what game was last week? Um, Dave, author of several books, um, is the Australian-New Zealand Director for Orange Ministries, and uh, all-around good guy, and one of is on our uh, communicators team here at the Church of Wealth. So thank you for joining. Um, it's great to have you all here. Dave, This, as uh, much as we've been talking about this series from you know, a biblical perspective, I'm going to be asking a few questions today. For you, this is more than just an idea or stats on a screen. For you, burnout was very personal to you and something not too recently you yourself went through. How about we start with you, if we want to delve right in there today. Um, some, I'm just conscious today, some people might be in it, some people might be experiencing warning signs that it could be on the horizon, or someone they see in their life might be experiencing it, or on the other side of it. So I'd love to hear maybe from your experience, maybe some of the events that transpired that led to your burnout.
1: Um, thanks for having me here, John. It's so good to be here. It's such an important topic that we talk about this because this is one of those things that I think happens mostly in isolation, and for me, that was certainly the case. So uh, the, 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 sh- the thumbnail version of it is this. In 2020, I was working at a church, and when lockdown uh, hit, when when COVID really started to take over, um, my responsibilities in ministry that had always been there suddenly became overwhelmed because I was getting pushed and pulled in a whole bunch of different uh, ways with more responsibilities added on top of me. And that's pretty mm. normal for anybody, not just ministry, but whatever field you're working in, it's kind of normal that we all have responsibilities, and it's even normal that we all experience stress. What's not normal is when stress becomes distress. And for me, I
0: Well... Cool. Yeah. I wonder if people can relate not even just to maybe the symptoms but the idea of isolation and, and you know, if even your own, you know, wife and kids weren't familiar with that happening um, because I think for every person that goes through an experience, there's a loved one who is experiencing it as well in their own, I guess, in their own way um Bernadette I know that was kind of your story we'll come back to more and thanks me. I know you jump right in there so <laughs> I'm not leaving you hanging <laughs> so <laughs> um but this I just think it might be a natural segue to you because you obviously being married to a husband who went through burnout um maybe speak to us a little bit about that what is you know what does no one kind of say to you as someone who has to support someone going through maybe some of the similar things that Dave just explained
2: and I think that's the important part because your focus needs to be on the person that you love who's going through this, who is grumpy, like Keith talked about, he was a grumpy old man. That's what we used to say to him. Um, but it was just that um, I think the important thing was, con- was to continue to tell them how valued they were. Keith definitely felt he'd failed. He had really poor self-esteem. Um, and, and just encourage him constantly... Well, looking after yourself was really important, and and I know I um I turn on a lot of uh, music, so music's a way of filling the room, but but just looking after yourself while you're caring for that person, and ensuring that that person doesn't isolate themselves. That's just so crucial that they don't isolate themselves to the point where there's no connection, um in that time. And so um, for me, it was. Listening to music, reading my word was so important for me during that
0: time. How do you go about, so if you, if you know, whether it's a spouse or, you know, a sibling or a parent or kid who's experiencing this, and we recognise that principle, this, you know, they can't stay isolated, that's a sensitive topic to broach sometimes, you know. Any advice about how to go in there with wisdom and, and sensitivity and a bit of tact to encourage a person?
2: I think the most important thing is continue to remind them that you love them and that God loves them, no matter what. No matter what happens, you love them. God loves them, and and making sure. I mean, Keith was fortunate; he had me. But if you're a person on your own uh, or you're isolated, it's so important to have a connection. And that's where this community we have is crucial. You know, because you've you've got to. They don't want you there at the time because they just want to have that. Um, as I. I call it a pity party, a self party, and self parties are unhelpful. Um, and um, you know, where you can just continue to encourage them about others and a word of encouragement and lifting them and positive things around them. Um, other people, you know, text, text them, ring them, um, especially during um, isolation with COVID you know, a, a text or, or a, um, an encouraging word, putting something on, be careful what you put in, you know, be careful what you're watching and listening to. Yeah. Very important.
0: That's such great advice. So Dave, hearing that, right, knowing that you were the guy on the other side of that, to talk to us then through, like, what makes that difficult maybe? And if someone's there encouraging you, and talk to us maybe some of the stuff that you wish someone had told you then beforehand to, that could have been helpful for you in the middle of it.
1: there was going to be a break in the waves and in, in one more wave would come and then there was a break and I'd be able to get up. All I could see was what was I was focused on in that moment. And so when you're in that, it's so hard. It's like that wave after wave just seems to come and push you down and you're gasping for breath and you can't see anything. And and so I was in lockdown and I had three daughters at home who were with me and I had a wife who was with me and all of whom were trying to support me, but I was trying to push them away because I didn't know that I was struggling. I didn't know that I was drowning and that, that I was the one that was causing that. Now, what my wife did was she would constantly come back in and keep saying, hey, babe, you need to rest, you need to rest, you need to rest. And while she would say that, I couldn't hear it at the time. There's this great line from a Holocaust survivor, Cory Ten Boom, who says, "If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy," and that was what it was for me. He made me busy, so I was I got caught up being so busy. And like Keith mentioned last week, I'm I'm an achiever, and so I wanted to keep achieving. And when I wasn't achieving, I felt like I was failing, and that drove it down even further. And that was another wave that piled on top of me. And my wife kept coming and saying, "Babe, we all want to be with you because you don't have to achieve," and and you are worthy just the way that you are. And, and, and it's a funny thing, right? She gave me this. It was around that time that my wife gave me this thing that I'm sure a lot of people who come here on a regular basis have seen me wear because I get asked about it every time I preach here. I've got this key that I wear whenever I preach, whenever I'm on stage. And it's, it's, just a, it's called a giving key. And she gave it to me. It's got the word worthy written on it. And it was her reminding me, wow. I'm worthy not because of what I do or because of what I can do. I'm worthy just because I'm here. And that, for me, was the reminder that I needed to know that, you know, in the sight of God, in the sight of my family, in the sight of my wife, I'm just worthy because I'm around, not because I'm achieving anything. That was the thing that really started to turn things around for me. Even now, when I talk about that key, I get emotional. I get emotional thinking about it. But I needed to hear those words constantly. And and Bernadette will attest to this. I needed to hear it about a thousand times more than my wife Meg was prepared to say it <laughs> or had said it because I just couldn't hear it because I was getting pushed down wave after wave.
0: Wow. So important. May you hear, yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. Far out. Um, you talked about the busyness you're experiencing and this might be a good segue to you, Dr. Chris. I know you've been sitting there very patiently. Thank you for just, like a good you know, psychologist, tell me how you feel and you sit back and we pay $10,000. Just sitting on the couch.
1: The doctor's being patient.
0: Yeah. Ah, it's good. Play oh. on word. Patient. Bad joke. So, okay. I might ask this question incorrectly, so correct my if it's a wrong question. But I wonder if, can you can you bring a clarity to us? When we talk about burnout, I wonder if we can use that as a catch-all statement for sometimes, you know, we've just been maybe overworked or we're just stressed, we've been very busy. Can you maybe bring in what actually is burnout? Because I know I've certainly used before, I feel like I'm burnout, where really I just had a long day and a lot of bad things happen in one day. From a medical perspective, it's a thing, I'm assuming it's it's an actual thing. Can you define for us what burnout is rather than just being busy?
3: For sure. And I mean, you know, lots of people will experience stress for short periods of time or being fatigued or exhausted and we can see that a lot and usually people recover quite quickly. We know that when people are in that high stress state, not necessarily burnt out, that we see a little bit of a performance boost in things like cognition and sometimes Mm. physical performance as well. But if you maintain in that state, what we start to see is it suppresses the activity of the, what we call the neocortex, so that's the problem-solving and the emotional regulation part of your brain. And you start operating out of what we call your primitive hind brain, and that's the part of your body that tells you when you're scared or when you're hungry, uh, makes you more likely to be angry, and we start to see those symptoms come through. Wow. When people are under that high-pressure situation for a longer period of time, we also start to see not just those functional changes but physiological and physical changes in the brain itself. And the hippocampus in particular seems to be particularly affected where it doesn't form things like uh, neuronal connections quite as well. And the ones that do exist, they tend to become clipped and don't function quite as well either. And what we start to see in the burnout syndrome, which is now defined by World Health Organisation, symptoms of not just being stressed or uh, being under, being exhausted, but we start to see what they call emotional exhaustion as well. And emotional exhaustion is characterised by... You might hear this sometimes, things like compassion fatigue or you yeah. stop feeling empathy for other people. Uh, you can feel disconnected and lost is quite common as well. We also see some uh, sorts of what we call neurocognitive symptoms as well. So neurocognitive symptoms are things the way that your mind likes to function. So we start to see things like forgetfulness, People report not being able to use their imagination. Uh, People talk about fatigue, uh, trouble with sleep, things like that as well. And quite often after that, we'll see what we call somatic symptoms. Those are physical symptoms arising from the high states of stress that people have been in for a long period of time. And that can be things like nausea, headaches. We know that people tend to be more likely to feel pain more acutely when they're going through burnout people tend to be more likely to be in a low mood state, so depressive symptoms, sometimes more anxious and things like that as well. So when we start to see those things build up over a long period of time, we can look at things being into burnout rather than just being stressed for a period of time as well. And it tends to be hard to recover. One of the things that people do tend to do in that state is they withdraw socially from other people. Uh, One of the risk factors we know that come with burnout are things like being in a highly demanding job, having a, a highly performance-orientated personality style, so perfectionistic tendencies. Not being well socially connected tend to be playing into that as well and not having a, um, a good rest cycles tends to put people at higher risk of burnout. So by... Seeing those types of changes over that long period of time and knowing that those risk factors are coming into play as well, then we can start to see that people are going from a stress state into a burnout state. And it's important to recognise that there's a very strong overlap between burnout symptoms and depressive symptoms as well. So if you're finding yourself in that state, particularly if you're having a low mood for a long period of time, if you're starting to have thoughts of things like suicide then it's really important that you go out and talk to somebody who's professionally trained to be able to make those kinds of assessments to see where you are. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a depression going on for you, but if you're in that state, you may not be the best person to make that assessment for yourself. And that's where going to see a psychologist, for example, or a doctor
1: can be really helpful.
0: I that just was... see Dave nodding his head to, like, everything. Yeah, the like, yeah, yeah that's me. Yeah,
1: that was... Dude, that Everything, check, 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 check all the way down. If there's one thing that I would encourage you or hope and pray that you would take from what was just shared and, and what is shared here, uh, you know, this this whole service, it would be – Chris just outlined a whole bunch of symptoms, like a whole long list, a checklist of things. If this is happening, if this is happening, take that list and just assess yourself through that. And, and the thing that I love that he said, which is certainly my experience – Everybody in this room experiences stress. It doesn't matter if you run a multi-million dollar multinational business or if you're a stay-at-home dad. Like, we all experience stress and that's normal. And like Chris said, usually when stress comes, our performance actually increases to meet that stress. But when stress happens over a long period of time and it becomes overwhelming and you feel like it's wave after wave after wave... That's when stress becomes distress, and that's when those symptoms start to happen. Literally, every symptom that he said, I had. But I didn't see it, because I didn't know it was a symptom. I didn't know what the bigger cause was. I just thought, oh, I'm getting old, so my joints ache a little bit more. Oh, I haven't slept, and, and so that's why I'm feeling cranky. But you ask, if you were to ask my wife what was it like to be on the other side of me... <laughs> Man, she, she would all of those things. So if you take away anything, take away those, that checklist, please take away that checklist and, and assess yourself on it. And then even just something I said as a throwaway line then is really important. Have someone in your life whom you can ask, yeah. what is it like to be on the other side of me right now? Yep. And they can put those uh, symptoms, th- that checklist, back onto you.
2: Yeah, Definitely as a carer or as a, you know, even when you're caring for someone or your partner or somebody that's your friend, if you see those symptoms, really important to call them and, and, and say, hey, are you OK? Is there something I can do? And they probably at that point can't tell you what you can do. You're going to have to be the one to move on something because they're not in a place... If they're there at burnout, they can't think through what mm. they need.
1: And and, sorry, John, I'm taking over No, this is Um, is the easiest preach I've ever had to do. I don't mean to. Um, You know, the thing that I've heard consistently here is isolation, right? Bernadette said it. I said it. I certainly felt it. And Chris, you mentioned it as well. Isolation. No, I've said it too. That idea of (laughs) when we're isolated, when we, we allow these things, these symptoms, and even if we have some sort of you know, brainwave or some sort of idea that maybe there's something wrong if we don't share that with somebody. And this was my case for sure, because lockdown happened. And I didn't want to be a failure to my wife. I didn't want to be a failure to my kids. So I kept it all to myself while I was privately struggling. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's like... It, 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 I, I wish I had a visual right now. If you take a, 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 a raw egg, right? If you just take a regular raw egg and you put it in the palm of your hand and you squeeze it, it's really hard to break. It's an egg. Like, it should be easy. But the reason it's hard to break is because there are multiple, pre- uh, multiple points of pressure coming in, and that disperses the load. That dis- disperses the pressure, right? But if you were to take one finger and push that into the egg, you can break it because one point of pressure can break the egg. The point is when we disperse our pressure that's upon us by sharing it with other people, by sharing it with our spouse, by sharing it with our small group, by sharing it with somebody else, you know, it's that old saying. What's the old saying? A problem shared is a problem halved. Mm. We start to halve that problem. And I know that was the case for me. I didn't have that in that moment. And I willfully rejected it when it started to come because I didn't know what was happening. And I was scared. But I was lonely as well. I was in a house full of people, but I was lonely and I didn't realize it until a doctor told me, dude, there's something going on here. It's really bad. And so I would be encouraging you now. You've got to take preventative measures. You can either, <laughs> you can either um, let your car break down on the highway or you can go and get it checked up on a regular basis, right? So that. this is where I would say anytime you can see a doctor, see a therapist, see a counselor. You know, my theory in life is you don't get counseling because you're broken. You get counseling because you're breathing. Get counselling. Ask somebody. It doesn't have to be a professional. It can be just a friend and, and, and share it with a group of people so that you can halve your problem.
0: That's awesome, man. Bernadette. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Brilliant stuff. Um, like, I feel sometimes for a spouse in a situation like this where it can be... How do you approach a sensitive topic? I mean, that's to do with any topic, right? And I can imagine you know when you saw your husband going through this or maybe even when you saw the initial signs I know like the worst time to tell someone to calm down is when when they're not calm right it's like how do you broach difficult conversation with someone so this is my question for you because I can imagine you're a pro at this um, is there some boundaries maybe that you put in place in your marriage where you've created I don't know like a safe dialogue so that you have permission to call it out when you see... You know, this series has been about preventing burnout. Didn't see it coming, Seeing the warning signs. How have you gone about creating a safe, open dialogue between you and your husband so you have permission to, hey, honey, we've got to talk about this without him going, rubbish! Not that that's what you do, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: th- I think one of the really important things through our marriage and you know, um, is having that clear dialogue that it's OK to talk about everything. So, um, and I think um, even in my studies, in my social work, in my counselling studies, I think that was the important thing that we learnt to share where, in the tough times. So, Keith and I have this saying when things get a little bit tough and the other person's snapping, I go, stop, I'm not the enemy. Remember, I'm the one who loves you. And I think. One of the clear communication things you need to do with your partner or your best friend is say, listen, I'm hearing you say this. Is that what you're saying? Or you're saying this. That's so, for example, I'm hearing you say how hey, you failed, how hey, you're no good. That's not what I'm experiencing. As your wife, that's not how it is. This is how it is. You love me. You still go to work and, and you know the thing is we talked about stress before. We still had our everyday high stress positions that we were doing every day. We were still doing those, but it was in the it was in the times we were together at home as a couple when this was falling apart. And so I think the really important thing is foster those times with your friends, with your relatives, with your partner, the tough conversations. You know, because you've got to don't ignore it. Don't let the elephant in the room remain. It's so important that 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 cough, that thing that's there. You talk about it's really important. So turn off the social media, turn off the TV, do something. And, and this is the thing: when they're in, when a person's in burnout, they don't want to eat. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to do anything. So sometimes you've got to find what you know they like. Okay, let's take a walk around the yard. And while we're walking around the yard, which is our thing with um, plants, let's take a walk around the yard and talk about how, talk about some real serious stuff that's happening now.
0: That's
2: great. Create an environment that allows you to, to talk about those things.
0: That's so helpful. Uh, dr. Chris, this is a bit of a i'll call it a slashy question because it slashes between two like different areas um, you know as much as there's the the great medical help on the side of this is we're obviously looking at things as well from a faith perspective and how you know our hope in God and you know the promise of we talk about in the past few weeks, the promise of his help for our lives, and this is a big deal has has Medical science, yet caught up at all, been able to show to us, medically speaking, how faith in God or religion or being part of church community actually helps with this area of our lives? Is there any kind of correlation that's more than just the Bible says so?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's increasing amounts of research into this area and the way that religion and religious belief intersects with mental health Uh, in particular, and what they've found is that it can really kind of go two ways. Where people have a belief in what we call a benevolent creator, so uh, a God who has the best uh, in mind for you, uh, we find that there are... Better outcomes in terms of mental health, in terms of substance abuse, in terms of quality of life and things like that. Similarly, where there's a positive and supportive community, within that faith community, uh, people tend to have better outcomes. They're more likely to, for example seek somebody out to talk about their problems, whether that's another person in their community or one of their religious leaders. Uh, We find as well that people are more likely to use the religious structures, whether that might be meditation or prayer, to help them deal with the stresses that they're going through as well. But we also know that where people have beliefs in a creator that wants to punish them or has abandoned them or they're having negative experiences with other people in the church... Or they suffer from religious guilt; that we tend to have worse outcomes in those things as well. By and large, wow. people who are part of faith communities tend to have better outcomes in terms of their mental health and quality of life. But it's also very important that we have all those positive aspects as a part of that faith community in order to see those outcomes as well.
0: That's so fascinating. I think about like one of the, actually the theme verse for this whole series, where Jesus said. You know, if you're burnt out, essentially, if you're worn out, if you're weary, this is in Matthew 11, he says, come to me, right? But Then he describes what he's like. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And I wonder if that's sometimes the hesitancy, not just with the faith thing, but even like going to a doctor, or going to get help, we quickly catastrophize that either God or a doctor or my spouse or whoever it might be, it's going to be hard on me, they're going to be disappointed in me, and it's just going to add to the layers of what I'm feeling. But Jesus is like, no, 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 if you're burnt out, come to me because... I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. And if you come to me, I'm not going to ask anything from you. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you rest. So that's what science is telling us now, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's something important to be aware of as well, that there is some data showing that people who belong to religious communities quite often delay their presentation to a health professional when they're getting symptoms. And one of the reasons that is is because they tend to misunderstand what their symptoms uh, mean for them. And one of the things I think is really important to, to communicate to people in general is that just because you're part of a religious community doesn't necessarily mean that all of your solutions are going to be within the church, there's psychologists, there's doctors, there's really well-trained counsellors and health professionals that you can go and access to talk about what's going on for you and it doesn't take anything away from the religious community that you might be a part of.
0: I love that, mate. That's super helpful. If you could, um, if you could encourage uh, someone that maybe they're not burnt out yet but they are hearing some of the things being said today and they can identify, man, I think I've got some of those warning signs. And, and, you know, part of them are like, well, you know, I've been listening the last few weeks. I'm going to stay connected to my God. I'm going to stay connected to my faith community. What would be something you'd want the people to hear, though, to, to know where is that line of you also need to look additionally to that, to professional help or counseling help or medical help? But where, where is that line?
3: So the line is always going to be a little bit different for everybody. One thing, if somebody is telling you that something is different or wrong, that's a very clear indication that you should go and get somebody to have a look at what's happening for you. That would be a professional doctor or a psychologist or a counsellor. If you've noticed that you have, for a period of about two weeks or longer found that your mood is dropping and dropping or you're getting more and more anxious or more and more distressed and it's just not coming back to your baseline mood, then that's a clear indication as well that it's time to talk to somebody about what's going on. There are some things that are really standout problems. So if you're having thoughts of suicide, thoughts of self-harm, and certainly go straight to talk to somebody. Uh, You you can call Triple O if you need to. You can go to the emergency department if you need to, to talk to somebody if you're getting into that state. Um, But if you're noticing that things just aren't right, you're not getting back to your normal level of who you are, you don't feel like yourself anymore, then it's time to start exploring and talking to people who have training to start asking some really particular questions and find out what's going on for you and what the best way forward for you is as well. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much.
0: Dave, um, in your experience then, what you went through personally, and again, both sides of this, there's been obviously the physiological, medical side, but then the other human side and even the faith side. When it comes to questions of faith then for you in all the practical things you put in place, what part did your faith in Jesus play in helping you? Um, Is there something you wish you knew beforehand that you wish you would have known about God beforehand? Or is it something you forgot maybe? And on the other side of it, what is something you maybe have learned about what God is like for you going through this experience of burnout?
1: Uh, gosh, dude, there's like eight questions yeah. in there. Yeah. Buried in. Brilliant. Um, well, f- first of all, man, that was fascinating. Yeah. Like that science, like, dang, dude. Blown away with how fascinating that was. I would, If I could sum up what Chris said and to answer your question, it would be simply for me, it was this. What, did my, what role did my faith play? It just boils down to, you've heard me say this before, following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. It's literally all it boils down to for me. Wow. So I realize that, yeah, following Jesus in every capacity, most commonly and, and specifically around the conversation we're having, it puts me into a community of faith where there are people who do care about me. So following Jesus, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us into community. He doesn't say, hey, come and follow just separately on your own, nobody else. No, he called the disciples into community. So like true. It's, it, it's part of what we are. We're called into a faith community. So, so there's that aspect of it. My faith helped me by recognizing that, well, okay, so there were some answers already in Scripture, I guess. The second part of your question is what did, what did I learn from, from this experience for me? What did I wish I knew? I think it was stuff that I already knew, but it didn't become apparent to me. And it would be two things, and if I can you know, speak from Scripture for just a second, it would be this. First of all, the uh, first thing in all of Scripture, the very first thing in all of Scripture that is defined as holy, it's not a church, it's not the Scriptures, it's not even God Himself. The very first thing in all of Scripture that is defined as holy is rest. Rest Jeez. is holy. Yet rest is the one thing that we often push back against, especially when stress is upon us. Yeah. We can't rest. I've got too much to do. And, you know, we all know it as a commandment. It's one of the big ten commandments. If you're a Christian here, you know that, you know, the, the, the idea of rest is the fourth commandment. Yet it's the one commandment that Christians brag about breaking. Oh, hey, man, how are you doing today? So busy. I'm so busy. working around the clock, burning the candle at both ends. Like we talk about it like it's some marker of success. Yet the whole idea of rest, of having a day of rest, is not the end of a week. It's supposed to be the central thing around which everything else we do orbits. That's the rhythm we're supposed to be in. That's the thing that I've learned most is the importance. And I'd love to get Chris's opinion on this. Oh, my gosh, the importance of sleep. Are you kidding me? Not just from a – that's a rest thing, right? But the importance of re- of sleep is so it, – it, it was a game changer for me. It was the first thing that I rejected in order to get more done wow. when life got busy. I had to – I'll sleep less and get more done and I'll – you know, we <laughs> – I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, that whole mentality started to come and creep in. And what Everyone realized, said
0: that at least once in right? their life. Yeah.
1: But what I realized is if I don't prioritize rest and if I don't, on a weekly basis, on a rhythmic basis, then I'm prone to the, um, you know, the warning lights on my dashboard going off. And likewise, if I don't prioritize sleep on a daily basis, then I'm not operating at my optimal level. And so now I wear a ring that tracks my sleep. So I get a warning thing on my phone that says, you're not sleeping enough. Get some more sleep, dude. And so I'll nap. Like, it's become that central piece. So I really wish that I understood that. But here's, in the modern world, here's what happens. In Scripture, there's this story about how the Israelites go into the, you know, they they get removed from slavery, right? And this ties in with rest. God leads them out of slavery in Egypt. You've all seen the Ten Commandments. Even if you're not a Christian, you understand the story that I'm probably saying because you've seen the movie, right, um, all the movies. So they get, they're get they in slavery for 400 years. God leads them out through Moses uh, into the desert, and they start leaving Egypt. But all the people, and this is a part of Scripture I never understood, all the people complain, and, 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 and they whinge, and they're like, oh, take us back to Egypt. It was, life was better in Egypt. And I never understood that. Why was life better in slavery? I didn't understand that until I realized that I go back to slavery every single day. I leave my office and I sit down, and over dinner, I pull up my phone and I check my emails, and I'm going back to slavery. On the weekends, when I'm supposed to be resting, it's so easy for me to pull slavery out of my pocket and go back to slavery and check emails again, and just, I'll just send one more thing. And that became the shorthand in my. My house, when I knew I was going back to slavery, is my wife would say, oh, I would just, I'm just, I'm just, right? Well, I'm just checking one more email. I'm just responding to one more thing. I'm just, I'm just going back to slavery. And we all do it. Rest is the thing that I think we needed most. God reminded the people of the importance of rest only once they were removed from slavery. Not as a law. Not as something he wanted from them, but as something he wanted for them. He said, you are no longer slaves, so I'm going to give you a day of rest because slaves don't get that. And we go back to slavery all the time without even realising it. Rest was the thing that I wish somebody had talked to me more about. Can I say rest. Yep,
2: definitely. (laughs) One of the important things I had to learn with Keith was that he needed rest. And I'm I'm not a, sl- I'm, I come from a family of non-sleepers, and that's okay. That's what, who I am. So we are very different. But Keith needs a daily rest. It's who he is. It's how he is. And I now guard his rest. Jealousy. So if we go away in the caravan, we stop for two hours in the middle of the day. And and my we just did nearly four months in the caravan around Queensland. We stop in the middle of the day. We Keith has a siesta. He can, I love that. He, he puts his head down, and you know what? I guard that now, and my sister didn't understand it, and I say to her, Keith needs his rest. And it's his, it's his mechanism. I, as a, his wife, recognise that he needs that. I, I've never fallen asleep in a chair. I don't know how to sleep during the day, but that's who I am. But Keith needs it. You've guarded and, that for him. And I guard that now and, like and you know area. it's always when the phone will ring or something or something happens but that 2 hours in the middle of the day is his rest time and it's important to guard it
0: i love that and so i get then yeah clapping i think everyone
1: recognizes
0: that if you're in a support role you need to help sometime for the person who's vulnerable you need to help guard hmm. them yeah. Put
1: those boundaries in Can I ask Dr. So Chris a medical question? Yeah, in
0: fact, when you do, I'll say this, you get last say, Chris, and so if there's any doors that are open here, you just need to go, well, technically you're incorrect. It,
1: it, is what I experienced and the importance of rest medical? Like, or so, is that just, am I just talking rubbish?
3: Yeah, I mean, so, yeah,
1: absolutely. So rest. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
3: The importance of rest and sleep is, ah. is critical to your well-being and it's critical to... Uh, it's, intimately intertwined with your experience of stress. We know that people who are going through a long period of stress, they'll have trouble with their sleep and they'll start to experiencing things like when they're going to sleep, their thoughts will just race or all kind of come at once and they're not able to slow down and they can't get to sleep and they'll just lie in bed awake for hours at a time. Uh, we also know that when people aren't sleeping well that they'll be more stressed during the day and we start to see medical outcomes of that kind of thing as well. Your blood pressure goes up, your mood goes down. Um, One of the critical things about rest is that it needs to be rest that makes you feel refreshed afterwards. Uh, So you need to be able to rest well. And that's really a skill, I think, that uh, people find very hard to learn. So you can try to do things that you think should be restful, but you don't feel rested afterwards and it ends up becoming like another task for you. Um, Some time ago, I decided that I'd like to start... Resting by taking up things like art and painting. But I suffer from perfectionistic tendencies. And so when I did that, I'll be more stressed at the end of trying to do that thing (laughs) than when I started. And it was not nearly as good for me as just grabbing my big stinky dog and taking it for a walk around the neighbourhood. And that helps me a lot more than any of those other things which are meant to be um, restful, that are restful for other people. So finding something that's restful for you is really important. Finding ways to help you calm your mind, for example, before going to sleep. Um, We talk in medical and psychological terms a lot about things called sleep hygiene, and that's really important and can help you get to sleep. And I'll let you look up that because there's a lot out there um, to do our own research do your own research (laughs) on sleep hygiene um, because it can be really important but if you're experiencing that again for a long period of time where you can't get to sleep your thoughts are racing uh, you're getting more and more distressed your mood's going down then there's lots of people out there for you to talk to you can go talk to your GP you can talk to a counselor you can talk to a psychologist and they can help you pick apart what's going on for you and really find you the best way forward
0: well expert panel today I want to say thank you so much for sharing from your heart Uh, from your years and years and years and years and years and years and years years of study um, and your experiences. So can we appreciate our panel today? Thank you so much, guys. That was awesome. You guys can grab another seat. just want to land this plane. Um, Again, the reason we wanted to, to talk about this is we've been asking this question over the past few weeks, what is setting your pace in life? We all have one, and whether it's been intentional or not, on purpose or not, we have a pace of life. Obviously, our sleep's part of that, we've heard, our relationships are part of that, our work, our hobbies, our fun. All of these areas contribute to our pace. But what we've looked at is Jesus literally invited us. He used these three words. He said, I want you to learn from me. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't neglect any of his responsibilities. He didn't neglect neglect family, didn't neglect community, didn't neglect discipleship, didn't neglect his faith. He was involved in all areas and even his own private time, didn't neglect any of it. Yet you never see him panicked or rushed or exacerbated. So he says, if you are like that, if you are burnt out, if you're worn out, literally says, this is in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That means teaching, instruction. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And in a pace of life where we are bombarded by information and media, and there's always more to do and things to check and things to read, and people just, it's it's always going to happen. Jesus invites you to come to Him. Learn from Him. And so I say that because, Um, if you're part of Suncoast Church or Impact Church, and this is your church community, we as a team work really, really hard to make sure we have um, resources and from whatever it might be, from small groups to content to environments or events, whatever it might be, to help minister to you, to help remind you of where your hope lies, to help connect you with people who will care and love you and all the things. But we'll never force you into anything, right? We won't guilt you into doing anything, but we will encourage you. One of the things about being committed in your local church, about volunteering, about attending, about getting your kids involved in the community, whatever it might be, about prioritising in your marriage, what you're doing is, is you're intentionally setting a pace for your life, saying we will prioritise our faith, we will prioritise our faith community, and prioritise being in environments that will remind us to learn from Jesus. And so when you consider your pace of life, instead of letting your faith be something on the peripheral that speaks to you, invite Jesus right into the centre of your world learn from Him. Because God loves you. He is for you. You have so much to contribute to life. And to be frank, with where the world is right now, and the panic and the worry and the stress, my prayer, and I'm sure this is your conviction as well, is that we would shine as lights in the middle of a world that is experiencing darkness. That people don't just have to hear your message. They should see your life. And go, what is it about your life? Why are you walking around? You're just as burdened as I am, but you have this joy. You have this rest. What is it about your life? And you can say, I learnt it from Jesus. Why don't you come and check it out yourself, right? This is our prayer for you as a community. So come on, maybe your pace of life has been set too much too much by something peripheral to your life. Something that should be in the peripherals rather. And it's kept Jesus kind of out from the centre, bring him back in, come to Jesus. And as we read last week, Jesus says, not only do you have to come to me, but remain in me. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. But for some of you, maybe you've never come to Jesus. Maybe you've never connected in relationship with God. What I'd love to do today is I'm going to pray for us all together. And wherever you are in your journey, maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you need to be reminded today of the Jesus way and to realign your life, the Jesus way of life. Or perhaps you've never aligned your life with Christ. I'm going to pray for, you, for everyone here together. I want you to be included in this prayer and um, of bringing Jesus right back into the center of your world and to come to Him and to remain in Him. Heavenly Father, I'm just aware of your great heart and love and passion towards every man, woman, and child in the room, watching online or represented here. And aware of the burdens we carry, the trophies we have on our shelves and the things we boast about, but the things that also can burn us out. I'm asking today, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us of the Jesus way and of the goodness of Christ, that he is gentle and humble in heart. And may we find rest for our souls. Those who are heading towards burnout, those who feel exhausted and are burdened and are wearied. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you'd minister even beyond just their emotions and their body, but you'd minister to their soul, to the deepest parts of them. Today, encourage them, where they've believed a lie or where they've lived under some form of condemnation or guilt, may that be lifted today and be reminded that you're for them. And for those here this morning that maybe have never known your great love, may they know it today. May we all walk the Jesus way, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are truly blessed by what you heard. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au.